Good morning, everyone. Is it working? How y'all doing this morning? Well, I want to see if anybody can remember that when we're talking about a Spanish country, how to answer when I say, Dios le bendiga. Amen. Very good. Give her a prize. <laughs> God bless you. And you say amen to receive the blessing. 
So we're going to be um, at BGMC this month. We are studying about Mexico. And as everybody knows, that's just right south of us. Has um, uh, They're pretty much Roman Catholic, 83%, Protestant, 8%. Other or none is 9%, but many people mix their Catholic beliefs with the local uh, witch doctor or spirits and stuff, and so they're not actually uh, following the Lord at all. Um, but BGMC does a lot there, not only with kids and youth, but with library books and electronics like video projectors and speakers and stuff for the um, Latin American Child Care School and... Um, do citywide crusades for promotional evangelistic materials and all kinds of um, funds for VBS and just a, they do a lot down there in Mexico um, for helping build the church in Mexico to spread his kingdom because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's for us to spread the kingdom, whether us here locally um, telling people about Jesus and inviting them to church and stuff, or whether we're sending missionaries overseas in order to share the gospel in places that we're not going, but, they, but they're willing to go, to give up being with their families here and going overseas. And so uh, I'll ask you in a minute to come and bring your change for the BGMC, but remind you it is Mission Sunday, and, and don't forget when you pay your tithes and offerings, to also give to missions so that all these people on those plaques on the wall, those are all the missionaries that we partner with. And it's a partnership. They can't go if we don't send them. And those people can't hear about Jesus if we don't send them. So it's really important for us to continue to support the missions work of this church. Lord, I just thank you that you give us the opportunity to partner with you in spreading your kingdom here locally and across the U.S., but across the world too, Lord. We thank you for that opportunity that you give us to partner with you on that. That as we give and as we sin, that your Holy Spirit goes and anoints these people to spread the gospel and to bring people unto you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Y'all come. Good morning. Thank you for your giving to BGMC this morning. I know missionaries, they always come back saying, man, we appreciate all the BGMC and Speed the Light and Light for the Lost and all of the missions that goes overseas. And what's the women's? Life. 
There it is. All the missions uh, offerings that go out there that, that help them and benefit them. So we appreciate you giving this morning. Uh, be sure and get a bulletin. There's some things coming up in February. Uh, just a couple things I wanted to hit on real quick. February 4th is coming up. Uh, the men's ministries is beginning a new ministry. It's a Bible study. Uh, it'll be a Saturday mornings at 830, um, the first Saturday of the month. And then they, they're still having the men's breakfast will be the, the th- still on the third Saturday of the month. So don't, don't, don't choose one or the other. Go to both of them. And so, uh, but that'll be a good time of Bible study. And uh, I believe we'll have coffee and donuts and, and uh, that morning as well. So uh, be sure and mark, mark that on your calendar and come out for that. Also, uh, our Valentine's Banquet is coming up on February the 12th. Uh, tickets are on sale. We've got tickets out there. They're $20 this year. Uh, we had to raise the price a little bit because everything's going up. And, and so in order for us to actually make money for camp. But this goes for uh, youth camp. And usually each year we raise enough money with our Valentine's Banquet to pretty much cover uh, our youth camp, our Camp Cargill. And so uh, if you're going to come to it, grab a ticket. If you're not planning on coming to it, get a ticket and come anyway. And uh, I've always said, I know it's a Valentine's Banquet, but that doesn't mean you have to bring someone with you. You can come by yourself. I promise you it's a good brisket dinner. It's good smoked brisket and all the fixings. I mean, it's, it's all you can eat. And uh, it's really, really, really good. I don't cook it, so... Uh, I can say it's really, 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 really good, and and then we always have a good entertainment. We try to have a good time and and share some laughs and bring joy. Uh, The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, and so we want to bring joy, uh, and especially this time of year, we all need a little joy, and so... Uh, but come out and, and just, just have a good time with us. And also, like I said, it helps our, our youth to be able to go to, uh, to camp in the summer. So uh, let's stand this morning. We're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to make a joyful noise before the Lord. People say, I can't sing, but I can make a joyful noise. It may not be joyful to you when I sing, but it's joyful to him. Amen. So why don't we just open this service this morning and worship him. Father, we worship you. Lord, we love you this morning. We praise you and we exalt you this morning. Lord, we bring a joyful noise unto you, Lord. Lord, I know that your ears receive it as worship and praise, and it is joyful, Lord, when we lift you up. Lord, we glorify you this morning. We exalt you this morning above everything else. And Lord, we invite you to come into this place. Lord, come, move amongst us. Lord, allow you, uh, let your Holy Spirit just flow. Lord, touch lives today, Lord. We love you this morning. We praise you and we glorify you in the name of Jesus. Thank you. 
this morning. It says he's able to restore anything that he wants to. And in my spirit, you know, just like the, the valley of the dry bones, if they had not been there, if the dry bones had not been there and whatever it took to get them there, if they hadn't have been there when Elijah went and spoke to them, there would not have been a miracle. Nobody would have seen it. Nobody would have known. And nobody could have told them later because they saw, they knew that the bones were there, right? And then somebody had to speak to the bones from God's voice and tell them to live again. And then there was an army, right? There was an army that rose up from the dry bones. God, I'm expecting an army to rise up, God. You restore this place, God. You restore our souls, God. Restore our faith, God. Restore our church in Jesus' name, amen. Let's go back to the bridge.
service this morning in a mighty way, God. Have your way in this service, God. We just want to be still in your presence, Father. Let your spirit just flow over us and through us, God. Refresh our minds, God. Refresh our hearts and our spirits, Lord. Remove all doubt and negativity, God, from our lives. Strengthen us this morning, Father, for the days to come. When it looks like I'm surrounded by the end, and it feels like hope is far beyond my Thank you. 
Father, we give it all to you this morning, God. Every battle that's represented in this house, Father, help us just to release it, God, with our praises to your name, God. Just help lift that burden, God, as we just open our hearts and our hands to you, Father, and just release it unto you, God. The battle is yours, Father. The battle is yours, God. Help us to release it to you, God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just keep playing tennis. Go ahead, Joyce. All we have to do, God, is praise your name, Father. We release it unto you. We release it unto you, God. Release it unto you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's just keep, just keep in this attitude of worship. Some of you here, you got a battle you've been fighting. That song says, I know the battle is yours. That's how you win your battle is you, you find out and figure out it's not my battle. It's God's battle. We keep trying to fight it. We're never going to win it. But all we got to do is give it to him. Let's do that this morning. Whatever battle you're fighting, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, our church is in a battle right now. And as long as we continue to try to fight it, we're, it's never, it's, we got to give it to the Lord. Why don't we just take whatever battle we're fighting and just give it to the Lord right now. Lord, you see, God, you see from heaven the battles that we're fighting right now, Lord, and you've already provided a way. You've given an answer. You've given a solution. God, your word says you've prepared the way for us. Lord, we just got to give it to you. Lord, whatever need this morning is here, God, whatever battle it is, whether it's a physical need, we need healing, Lord. It's already been provided. Your word says we're healed by his stripes. Lord, whatever financial restitution, your word says that you'll supply all our needs according to your riches. God, we pray for that right now. We turn it over to you. God, if it's emotional, God, if it's spiritual, God, we just turn it over to you right now because we know the battle is yours, not ours, Lord. The blessings of the Lord is ours, Lord. If we're faithful to you and we seek you first in your kingdom, God, all these things will be added unto us. It's not our battle, it's yours, God. And we pray right now, Lord, that you would just begin to move in a mighty way. God, touch lives right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we lift up our church, Lord, our pastoral search, Lord. We're, we're fighting a battle here. The enemy's attacking us, Lord, and it's not our battle, it's yours, and we give it to you, God. Lord, we ask that you move in a mighty way. God, that you would send those who need to come. Lord, we praise you for it right now. Lord, we thank you for the answers to prayers. Lord, we thank you for the victory right now. In the name of Jesus, we claim that victory. We love you for it, Lord. We glorify you. We exalt you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Battle's not ours. The victory's ours. Battle is the Lord's. Amen. Amen. If our ushers will come, we'll take up our tithes and offering at this time. I want to say thank you for giving. It's your support that keeps the doors open, keeps the lights on, keeps the water running, even though it may flood throughout the church. It keeps the water running. Amen. You want to do it for? Okay. Randy has the announcements. Actually, I have two or, th two or three.
of the offering this morning. Father, we, we're so grateful for the blessings that you've given us, Lord. You continually show your greatness and your mercy and bless us, Lord. And we, we pray right now as we take time to give back, Lord, just a portion of what you've given to us. That's all you ask, Lord, that we give just a portion. But, Lord, that you would take this portion and you would bless it, multiply it, Lord. Use it all over the world to spread your word. And we love you today. We give you glory for what you're doing. We pray that you'd bless the gift and the giver this morning. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. for the uh, Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade. They picked up an offering here a while ago. You wonder, what is that money used for? Let me speak from a person that used that when we were in, in Stuttgart, in that out in the southwest part of the country. Um, we wanted to canvas that area. And so I got a hold of Springfield, told them our mission, and they said, BGMC can do that. And they put pallets of stuff on a plane, sent it over there, and I got a bunch of those German girls and boys and, and all of the uh, GIs that were available, and we put together packets and reached 5,000 families one Saturday. Uh, a lot of testimonies came out of that, but I'm going to tell you that ministry, and you say, well, that's for the kids. We, the kids canvassed, and I can tell you that a lot of stuff came as a result of that, and uh, the blessing of it is beyond our understanding. We don't have to know. God keeps the records anyway, right? Yeah. Amen. All right, Sabrina, it's your time. Um, well, I wanted to give a little testimony. It took many, many phone calls, but I got an appointment with that specialist. <laughs> 21st is a, the same night as the ladies' meeting, so I'll see if we make it back. But uh, it took many, many phone calls, and they just couldn't get the paperwork, but it's going to all be paid for through the Chickasaws, and I praise the Lord. So if that's how God's going to take care of this, then that's great. However, I'm, I'm believing that I'm going to be walking and running and all that for too much longer. <laughs> I love him. This song I'm going to sing is Dad preached it last week, and I think we had a little bit of communication let down, but... You know, today may be the day that you need to know that seems like he's late, God's late, or he's not right in the time frame that we think, but he's always right on time, isn't he? Amen. Amen. The news came to Jesus. 
Please come fast. Lazarus is sick. Without your help, he will not last. Mary and Martha watch their brother die. They waited for Jesus. He did not come, and they wondered why. The death watch was over, buried for days. Somebody said, he'll soon be here. The Lord's on his way. Martha ran to him, and then she cried. Lord, if you'd been here, you could have healed him. He'd still be alive. But you're four days late, and all hope is gone. Lord, we don't understand why you've taken so long. But his way is God's way not yours or mine isn't it great when he's four days late he's still on time jesus said martha show me the grave but she said lord you don't understand he's been there four days the gravestone was rolled back then Jesus cried Lazarus come forth and somebody said he's alive he's alive well I know you're fighting a battle of fear you've cried to the Lord I need you now he's not appeared well don't be discouraged cause he's still the same he'll roll back the stone and he'll call
right, thank you, Sabrina. I, back there, I couldn't hear as good, but I didn't know if she mentioned, but uh, she's having a lot of problem. In fact, uh, she, not leg didn't heal right, so they're going to re-break it, I think the 21st of February. And so she wants you to pray for her. Amen. <laughs> uh, it's bad enough to do it one time, that to go through it twice, but anyway, uh, she wants to get it right. Today and tonight, I'm going to present to you a message that God gave me two or three weeks ago. And I said, Lord, where is this to go? Where am I going to preach this? When's, when's the right place? And when LaDonna called me the other day, I said, okay, I know where I'm going with it now. And I'll preach it there. That's what God has. But let me tell you this. What I preach today and tonight may get me in a lot of trouble. For what I preached on this before, I got sued and taken to court. So I trust that you're biblically enough that you'll accept. But let me just say this, and you know this to be a fact. We are in a transitional time here in America. Since about the middle of the 60s, this world that we know has been changing. Not only is it changing in our nation and our government and our society, but it's changing in our churches. And this is what bothers me. And I'm sure that you realize that there is a change happening in the church world. I don't know. I don't watch television. In fact, I got a call last week. They want to, want to hook me up. I said, I don't really need it. I, I try to get my news through other sources, and I don't need to listen to that lecturing about that. But anyway, I have discovered something in the last two or three weeks that there is a division that's taking place in several churches, particularly the Methodist Church, Southern Baptist and it's really been concerning me what is happening. I know that there are a lot of good people in all of these churches. And last night, a friend of mine uh, that pastors in another part of the world, but anyway, we were visiting, and I told him I'm concerned about what's happening in the church world. I can't help what's happening out there in, in the political world and a lot of that, but the church world I'm very interested in. And he said, well, you know what's happening in the Assemblies of God right now. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not because I, I don't attend the national meetings. I don't attend even the state. I've had uh, my, uh, my going limited quite a bit in the last couple of years. And I just don't get a chance to go in here. He said, there is a division that's developing. So I say only this, church. We're living in not what we would call the last day. This is the last day. And there is an attack upon the church. There is an attack upon God's people. And we are seeing a division. And there, since the COVID thing, churches, many of them have dropped a half of their attendance. But I'm not here to concede to that. I'm here to say it's time to rally the troops. And I'm going to talk to you about that. I'm going to get rough. 
I'm going to get pointed. I'm going to get direct. And I'm going to get biblical because we are God's people. We don't have to second best this thing. We don't have to slide in somewhere and fit. We got to be in the lead of this stuff. We got to make it work for the kingdom and the glory of God. And I'm going to preach to you right out of my heart, for this is a message. I preached it last night. I preached it to me this morning. And this morning I said, I love it. I want to preach it again. So here I am. I'm going to give it to you just like it came off the hot wire. And I want you to be blessed with it. I'm not here to do anything but just bring you closer to the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to happen. I'm going to read a story. And a lot of this Bible is, is built around stories. Have you noticed that? Uh, someone asked me one time, said, are you a preacher? And I thought for just a moment and I said, no, I'm a storyteller. Amen. Well, preachers too, I guess. But if you listen and notice, Jesus told a lot of stories as he walked along the roads, as he stopped in the villages, as he sat on the well, he always had a story. So I'm going to tell you a story today. I'm going to look at some things, some facts. Now I'm going to tell you this. I believe that we are not isolated and not above anybody else, but I believe God has given the assemblies of God a touch from the heavenlies itself to make us a God-fearing, God-anointed, God-believing people to march through the land and bring forth an encouragement unto those that are being challenged and knocked down today. The church should be on the rise and not on the defeat. Not on a retreat, but in on advance. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about here this morning. I hope I can hold your attention. Because I'm going to tell you some things that I want you to go home with today. I'm going to read a story over in 2 Kings. And uh, this is one of my favorite stories. I love this story. Because you see, I find when I find some of these things, they sound like it fits my family. It feels like it fits right into the church family sometimes. And we can see things happening and we think, well, it may be me. Maybe I'm the one that you're trying to talk to here. And God many times has taught me lessons for myself, for my family, or as a pastor, many times I would share with the congregation because in the Word of God is a powerful tool to use against the spirit of this world. I want you to get a handle on this one. This is going to take us on a whirlwind tour today. This is a story about a family. It's a family with a crisis. Do you know anybody ever had a crisis? You know anybody that's ever been backed in a corner and didn't know where to go? Do you know anybody that ever painted themselves into a corner and couldn't get out. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations and we don't know why it happened. We don't know what caused it to happen. We don't know why we're involved and we don't know what to do. Well, that's the story that I'm about to read. It reads like this in the fourth chapter of 2 Kings, verse 1. Now there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha. 
saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Did you hear me? Here's a, a preacher's wife that probably has followed her husband and worked with him in every way, but all of a sudden a tragedy has struck in her home. I don't know what it is. It couldn't be that he's too old for the boys are still home. So evidently they're not really old people, but he died. I don't know what he died of. That's not important. This says that he is dead. She reports to Elisha, the prophet, and she says he's dead. That's bad enough, isn't it? And it said, Thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and creditors have come to take unto him my two sons into Bodmin. Now, this first verse is a tragedy. I, I, I read that several times before I've really caught the meaning of it. Here's a woman that's in panic. She said to the prophet, where, where can I go? Because in this way, the culture would provide if her husband had a brother, then he would be responsible to take care of his brother's widow. But we have no record that there was a brother. There's certainly not a welfare system like we see today. There was things that uh, uh, they had to provide, but it wasn't seen to be for her. It wasn't anything that she would qualify for. All we know is her husband is dead. That's enough to cause you to panic. Your source of livelihood, all of the future is just now gone. It's dead. It's gone. That word dead, that's a scary word, isn't it? It's a word I don't want to hear. I don't like to hear it. But not only did her husband die, the panic of trying to deal with that, now she's going to lose her two sons. Evidently, they've maxed out their credit card. They owe on the car. They own the house. They owed everybody in town. And the, and the ones that she owed all of this to is coming to get her sons to take them into bond slavery until the debt is paid. Can you feel the, the panic of this mother? Can you feel the agony that she's having to deal with? I've not only lost my husband, I'm about to lose my two children as well. And she goes to Elisha and she says, can you please help me? You know my brother. You know my husband. He was faithful in your service. Would you got a, a, something to help me with? And Elisha feels the, the panic that's in her voice. And uh, in verse 2, Elisha joins in and he said unto her, What shall I do for thee? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Tell me what hast thou in the house? Now hang on. And she said, Thy handmaiden hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Now the little pot of oil is um, a little oil for the night lights. Uh, it's probably less than a quart that she would be talking about. And if you've ever had them old cool oil lamps and, 
And uh, back before electricity was, you'll know how important a little can of oil was to be able to fill up the, the lanterns and fill up the lamps every night so that you'd have a light in the house. And that's basically what this little pot of oil consisted of. It's just a, a small portion and nothing really to speak of. But she said, I don't have anything save except a little pot of oil. And then he said, go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Okay, that's the problem. Here's the solution. Sometimes we can't always see what God wants to do. We expect an answer. We cry out to an answer for God to give us an answer. But sometimes we don't see an answer. We don't feel it. We don't know what's going to be expected next. Do you care if I just share a little story with you? I didn't know the weather was going to be as cold as it is. But this will warm you up. When Naomi and I came to Long Grove, I was 22 and she was 18. We had a world of knowledge. We, the first time that we even saw the church, uh, she was 16 and I had just barely turned 20 and she couldn't go to church. I couldn't go anywhere on a date except a church. <clears throat> and it's really hard to find church every night. You know what I mean? And I, I told her, well, I said, I'd like to take you somewhere Saturday night and I didn't have any place in mind. She says, well, they're having church at Long Grove. You know, the church used to have services on Wednesday and Saturday and Sunday and Sunday night. That was to keep you from backsliding, keep you in church. So I said, okay, we'll go to Long Grove. We, we came down over on Newport Road and there was the old church there. Now we went in, they didn't know me from Adam and uh, they saw her, knew her and they had her to come up and sing. And I'm sitting back there listening. And she's always been one of my favorite singers. But anyway, I, was, I really got addicted during that time, if you mean, know what I mean. And I, I was sitting there listening to that singing when God spoke as clear to my heart as I ever heard. We got in the car and started home 45 minutes out to Candy Line where she lived by Velma. And I said, while you were singing, God spoke to me. And she said, why did he say I said, he said, we were going to get married, pastor this church, and build him a new one. She never said a thing for 45 minutes. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, I guess I blew that one all right. <laughs> Little bit quick to bring up a proposal on the first date, you know. That is just a word of warning for others that might be thinking about that. That is not the good time to discuss that kind of stuff. But... When I got home, I said, well, I'll test the waters. I said, can I come back next week? She said, oh, I guess so. And I did. And we wound up getting married two years later. As soon as she turned 18 and it was legal, we got married. And the, and the church came open. I don't know if there's anyone here today that was there then. That, that was a very slow, smoky time. But we went over, and um, I think there were, if I'm not mistaken, five women, a man, and some kids. I believe I've got it down. <laughs> Carol may remember and need some of them. <laughs> some of you will be there. But 
There wasn't that big a crowd, just to be honest. But we knew that God had sent us there. Listen, when you hear from God, I don't care what the circumstances are, He is not going to provide something that you didn't expect. We're there, the, and the buildings, the two buildings had been put together. They were gifts. Somebody had given the church two buildings. And they were built like a T with sucker rod under there to hold them together. And as you walked, it was a very comfortable walk. And I said, okay, this is a place and time. I knew God had sent us there. A pastor, uh, the, the presbyter down in, in Durant kept telling us, please, son, let me help you find a church. You don't want to go to Long Grove. That's a burnover field. It's bad. It's not good. You're not going to like it. You'll get discouraged. And I said, well, I believe that's where God wants me. When God has a purpose, be sensitive and led of the Spirit. And so we went over, and they had a parsonage. A parsonage. Can I describe that to you? It was a kitchen, a living room, and two bedrooms, and one of the bedrooms had been used to butcher goats and, and chickens in. So really just one bedroom. One plug in the house, in the kitchen. You could plug in, she could plug in a refrigerator. We had a refrigerator, electric one. She could plug it in, unplug it, plug in the arm, unplug the arm, plug in the refrigerator. And that kept things working. The, had no insulation in the walls or the ceiling. In 1960, was a cold winter. I don't know if any of you remember that one. I definitely remember it. A cold, cold winter. The wind blew. And we were freezing to death. And I had had a job at a dollar an hour. That was the minimum wage. But they didn't need any help during the winter. So I didn't have a job. We depended on the church. And I've got a black book at the house. I kept down the tithe every Sunday. And there was $5 that came in every Sunday. And there were several widow women. And that's where the $5 came from. And that was our groceries, the car uh, expense. Everything we had was like left up in that. And I remember as we were sitting around there that day and it was cold and wind blowing, the curtains standing off on the wall and we're freezing. We got a, we've got a heater in the, a Dearborn heater sitting in the living room and we go in there and we would sit, you could sit down on top of them, you know, they were insulated. On the, we insul we'd sit on top and stay warm that way. And one day we were sitting there and the wind blowing through the house and it did look like a dark day. If you ever have a dark day, we were having one that day. And I said, you know, Naoma, this is not what I expected this to be. This is not working out the way I thought it would be. And we kind of discussing it. And then I remembered back when we got married, about two months into our marriage, a friend of ours that was selling insurance and pastoring a church up at Paul's Valley wanted to sell me some insurance. He said, you need insurance because you're married now. I didn't know it, but he said, you do. And I just said, okay. It cost me $6 a month for insurance. And I bought this insurance. And he said, now that you have bought this insurance, you're eligible 
to buy some stock in this insurance company. And I said, I, I, didn't, I didn't know nothing. I was dumb as a rock. I said, I didn't know that. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're on the line for it now. You're, you can do it. I said, well, what was it costing me? And that day, I had just got one of them green checks from the government. My tax return was $250. And I said, they're holding that check. He said, well, you can buy into this insurance company now that you're a part owner. And I thought, well, I'm moving up in this world and didn't realize it. <laughs> so I said, well, I believe I'll invest $250. And I bought 250 shares that day. Now we're sitting there on top of this Dearborn heater and freezing to death. And I mentioned to her, do you remember that $250 that we spent when we first got married? And she says, Oh, yeah, I remember that. I said, wouldn't you love to have that right now? Oh, oh, I just think of everything we could do with 200. We could buy some groceries. We were living, a lot of the folks that were coming there and paying tithes, some of it was on their commodities, and we had plenty of macaroni and cheese and peanut butter. All we had to do is buy a 29-cent box of crackers, and we were in the business we had something to eat, and that's about all we had right then. And there wasn't any reason to complain. That's just about the way everybody was living that day. So I said, and she said, yeah, that would sure be good if we had that. We could go to the grocery store, and she's thinking over several things. And I said, I wonder whatever happened to that company. She said, I don't know. I said, did we get a letter on them one time? She said, I think we did. Well, we had a shoebox we kept under the bed, and I put all my important papers in it. I went in there that morning, and I dug into that box, and I found it down in the bottom, a letter from the insurance company stating that they had sold out to this company in Oklahoma City. And they said, your shares will be transferred to them, and had a number to call in Oklahoma City. I went in and called that number and I said, I used to own some company, uh, some uh, shares in a company and I told them the name and they said, we bought that company. I said, that's what I was told. And I said, uh, does that mean it's all over with me? No, she said, now you own some shares of this company, but not as much as you had then. Well, I could see that $250 was melting in a hurry. And I said, oh, okay. Did I have anything left over? And she said, yes, you do. I'll look and see. Do you ever have anybody to leave you on the phone and think you're gone forever? And I was sitting there wondering, what kind of money am I going to have to pay them? Or is there anything left over for me? In a few minutes, she came back. And she said, yes, I found where you've got shares in this company. And um, she said, do you want to sell them? And I said, Has, would I get any money out of it? I could think, you know, <laughs> it's going to be slim picking, but uh, would I get anything? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, do you want me to take out the commission and the taxes? And I said, oh, boy, there goes the other part of the 250. And she said, uh, I can take it all. I said, yeah, okay. Will there be anything left when you get through? And she said, yes, there will be. And I said, well, how much? 
She said there'd be $1,700 left. I said, Naomi, we're rich. We're rich. I said, where's this money at? She said, in Oklahoma City. She said, do you want me to send it to you? I said, no. Where are you at? I'm coming to you. And she said, we're in a certain building downtown on the 14th floor. And I say, just hold everything. We're coming as fast as we can. I said, Nelma, get in the car. At least we had a heater in the car. We're going to Oklahoma City. On the way up there, we, we, we just, it was the best drive I've ever made to Oklahoma City. We talked how we're going to spend that money. <laughs> we, are you with me? <laughs> we got up there and I went upstairs and I got the check and the lady said, there's a bank in the bags down in the lobby and you can cash the check down there. I went and cashed that check. I had a handful of money. I walked and got in the car. I said, Nelma, look at that. She said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to find a grocery store, the biggest they got in Oklahoma City, and we're going to buy groceries. We're going to buy groceries until we can't handle it anymore. And we found one. I told her, you get a buggy. I'm getting a buggy. Get anything you want. Pick it up. Soda pop, candy, anything. You don't have to be groceries. Get it. We loaded up two buggies that day and went up to the stand and they counted it and it cost us $200, $100 per buggy. But it was enough groceries we completely filled up the back of a car, back seat. Do you know what it feels like to be rich? <laughs> oh, we were so so blessed that day, we drove home with groceries and money in our hand. Now, how did that happen? I'm going to tell you something. God reaches beyond who we are and what we are. I'm not going to take any more time to tell you stories, but I can tell you if you, if you ever get ready to hear one. I've seen God's manufacture things before my very eyes that I did not understand. But that was one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in my life. The Lord knows who you are. He knows where you're at. And He knows how to meet the need. Now, I haven't faced a crisis like that. There was enough money out of that that we went to Bible college. We both of us went in. We paid the first year. We rented a house. Things changed. Things began to change in our life as a result of believing God for that particular day. The Lord has not forgotten, and He does not ignore us, and He does not go on. But let me tell you, in the story of this woman that is in a state of panic. She's lost her husband. She's losing her kids. She has nothing to look forward to. It's a hopeless situation. I may not be talking to you, but there are people that have had some hopeless situations on their hands. I, have, for one, have seen times where if it hadn't have been for God, we could not have made it. But God knows how to intervene and come on the scene at the right time. Listen to this story. He said, And when thou come in, shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shall pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside which is full. 
This woman turns to those two boys and she says, boys, this ain't going to sound good, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. Go knock on every door you can find. I want you to borrow vessels, whatever they'll loan you. Let them have a three wash tub, a wash pan, tea kettles. It don't matter. Whatever they let you have, get it. Borrow everything you can borrow. And she said, bring them to me. And they did. They brought them to her and they brought them in there. And she began to pour oil. Are you with me? Let me tell you, if you've never had oil where God manufactured it, where God supplied the need, where God began to open the door, I'm going to pull this off. I don't need the fan, but I do need to get some cool weather going around here. And he said, she said, she began to pour oil. She turned that vessel over and she began to pour it into the bottom of the biggest bucket that she had. And when it got full, she moved to another bucket. She moved to a tub. She moved to the tea kettle. She kept pouring. It is wonderful when you got hooked on to the inexhaustible supply line that God has for us today. She kept pouring and pouring. Oh, it's a wonderful sound to hear that oil falling in the pan. Just a short time before that, she was in a state of panic, but now she's listening to God pouring out into her pans, her pots, her buckets, whatever she's got. She's filling them up. That sound must have been glorious, huh? Must have been glorious. You know, uh, I thought about that when I was reading that story the other day and thinking about it, what it sounded like, you know, uh, uh, we kind of grew up, Ronnie knows where we grew up over there. And uh, we, I don't know, things, we just didn't have everything we needed, but we didn't know it at that time because we never had had it. So if you don't have it, you don't miss it, right? So we were having, and, and our house had been made, the roof had been covered with shakes. You know what, I'm, when you take, make shakes or shingles out of a slap of wood. But anyway, that's what our house was covered. So it leaked, it had to leak. Well, I was the oldest child. There's four of us. When I came along, they added another bedroom, which was a, a shed-on room on the back of the house with a tin roof. Had a had an awning around it and screen wire. In the summertime, we raised the awning and we got all the cool air. In the wintertime, we lowered the awning and that made it supposed to be warm. But anyway, that's where I lived. But I could, we could sit there and down there about, oh, 500 or 600 feet, was to grow trees. And in the spring of weather, rain would come up and begin to fall on that rain. I could lay there in that window and lay there and listen to that rain falling upon those trees. And I wouldn't be long till they'd be up there. And sure enough, I'd hear it hit that tin roof. And boy, I guess lay there, enjoyed love, hearing that stuff, pity pat. And all of a sudden, I could hear mother coming through the house. And, I, and she had some leaks. She knew where they was at. And she'd take a pot, take a tea kettle, a wash pan, whatever, set around all the leaks. Now we never had stereo and haven't got any yet. But I remember what it sounded like with all them pity pats falling all over the house. Big sound, little sounds, high sound, low sound. It was music. I could lay there listening to it and it would just put me to sleep. I enjoyed it. 
I don't know that if I'll ever have amnesia or can't sleep or, or I can't, can't relax, but I've told Naomi, we haven't tried this, but I've told her to be ready. If it ever comes up and she needs to help me to go to sleep, she could stand there by the bed and pour water in a bucket or a pad and I'll drop right off to sleep because I love that sound. It does wonders for me. And she said, well, okay, whenever you're ready, let me know. Well, we haven't needed it yet. But I can tell you that when you see God begin to multiply what he said he will do. Church, we are, we are faith people. We believe in the miracles of God. We believe in the manifestation of God. We believe God creates things when he needs to that's not even existing. We believe it. We believe it, I do. And I've learned that God will do it if you let him, if you trust him, you follow him. It's a walk of miracles. And I can tell you right now, that God has proven himself more than once. <laughs> I can tell you there's times that I don't know how it happened, but God did it. We had services in Germany. One of the places I had to go was Berlin's 113 miles behind the Iron Curtain then to the city of Berlin, which was a wall. I hear talk about the wall. The wall is around West Berlin. The Iron Curtain is a big fence that separates the East from the West. And I'd have to go through there, drive over to Berlin, about 113 miles to check on my fellowship and the people that were over there. And one day there is a, a pastor friend or a, a friend I knew from the college anyway, he asked me to take his wife, we did. And I, we went and got her, Naomi and uh, Sabrina was with us. In fact, we went on and this is, I, I've told this miracle and I'm gonna tell it one more time. It just thrills my heart to think about what God can do in adverse circumstances. And we took uh, Donna Moon, we traveled around all over the country, taking her to every military installation that she's supposed to be at. And one of them was in Berlin. When you go into Berlin, there's three checkpoints, checkpoint Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie. Charlie is the one who goes from East Berlin into West Berlin. And Alpha and Bravo is through the checkpoints out of American and British zones, they call them, or and that was the way we left out of there that morning. We left out on our way back to the west. We had an Audubon or a road highway we had to stay on. We couldn't get off. We couldn't have flat, couldn't run out of gas. You had to follow that and stay on it. When you cleared the Berlin Wall, you went through a checkpoint. They wrote down, this is where the Russians now are in control. It's what they call a Russian zone. And they let write down what time you're there. You give you the paperwork and everything. You write down when you're there, you're leaving there. We were leaving at nine o'clock in the morning. That meant we had to enter the next checkpoint before 12 noon. We started out not knowing what to expect. And we knew we could do it within an, a couple of hours. I'd done it many times. I knew I could do it. But as I left, I got mixed up. There was detour signs and all kinds of things that kept sending us in every direction. And I wound up in another area. I wound up in what they call a Russian zone because they were there knocking out our radio frequency for the West. And I'm right in the middle of it. Now, all they had to do is ask me for my, my passport or ask me to let them look in the car. Now, I, I tell you this, you, you kind of have, have to live, uh, imagine this. 
I had a handlebar mustache. I had German clothes. I drove a German car with German tags. The two people I had in my car did not look German, but I carried them around anyway. And as we cleared that first checkpoint, I got up in another part of the world. couldn't find any help. Nobody helped me. I finally found an old policeman. He directed me back. I came back on the main road. And as I approached the, the clearing point or the checkpoint going into the west, I looked at my paper. It said I had to clear by 12 noon. It was 6 o'clock in the evening. I'm six hours over. I pull up, hand the paperwork. They look at it, stamp it, hand it back to me. I drive about 500 feet. There is the West German checkpoint. I lay the paperwork. He said, you're six hours over. I said, yes. He said, what did they say? Well, there's a term they call it, Gradios Machnell. Get out of here as fast as you can go. And I did. I took off and I got out of there. And I think back of that, I, and I should have. I told my superior one time about it. He said, you, could, you should have got arrested. I know I should have, but God blinded the people. God can take and protect you through any crisis or situation. God knows what to do to alter things that are not looking right or should be right. Now, here's what the Scripture says. And it came to pass when the vessels were full. Don't you glad when something happens the right way? Something comes that needs to work. I'm so thankful that I learned a long time ago that God works in adverse circumstances. He works with impossible situations. He works with things. I can't explain it. I'm not even going to try to. I don't know how I, God puts organs in bodies. I don't understand why God can lengthen legs. I don't know that. Does he do it every time? No, no, no. But he has. And if I never see another miracle, I believe, I believe, I believe that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that I would ask or think according to the power that worketh within me. I'm here to tell you that my God stands ready on the edge of eternity to come to our rescue and he will minister and she said, as it came to pass, when the vessels were full, she said unto her sons, oh, bring me a vessel, boys. Oh, bring me a vessel unto her son. Bring me a vessel. And, and he said unto her, we run out, mama. We ain't got any more vessels. She said, I got, still got oil. I still got oil. They said, we don't have any vessels. The scripture says the oil stayed. I don't know what that means to you, but it blesses my soul to know that God can look, make a, a thing is like oil where God can multiply it into what needs to happen. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell that oil and pay thy debt and live thy and the children on the rest of it. Oil business, oil business is good, isn't it, huh? <laughs> isn't it wonderful what God can do, huh? Isn't it wonderful what God can do? You know what I was thinking? I was thinking this last night. You know, I don't understand myself why this church can't find a pastor. I don't know. I've prayed. I know you're praying. I know you're praying. 
I've heard them, someone from the pulpit, different times say, let's pray about this. And I have, I've prayed about it. I pray, I, I pray quite a bit because that's, that's about all the time I do it. I got, I got a lot of time to pray. And so I try to use it as wisely as I can. I'm going to tell you what, church. I believe that God has a miracle lined up for this church. I don't know what it is. Now, I know a little bit about this community. Uh, there's about five to six churches in this area. They, they cover all of it. Now, they're all good people. I know a lot of the folks. There's a lot of good people in this community going to different churches. Some of them a little different belief than, than us, but they're good people. And some, a lot, most of them, I guess, are Christians as far as I know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have to work in that department. But I preached in some of these churches around here. And I can tell you, they, they will preach with you just like they will here. They preach with you. You feel that feel coming back from them. I know that God has some good people here. But I believe this church has a special calling to register the miracles, to register the power, to register the things that only God can do. God wants to do that for you. He wants to do that for this community. He wants this to become the lighthouse for the community where people who have got a need, they'll come in here hoping to see God do the miraculous in their lives where they can put their faith and their trust in the Lord and said, would you pray for me, brother? Pray for me, sister. I need God's touch upon my life. Now, this church has a responsibility. You have the responsibility to have God to come down. How many want to see the God come down? Come down and walk among you. Come down. I know you believe in it. I've heard tongues and interpretations since I've been coming up here. I know you believe in it. But I'm going to tell you what, church, we've got to be a radical in this day we're living in. We've got to be a fanatic. We've got to be able to break over the line, get to be a place where the world, the world is, they're trying to limit, they're trying to draw lines, they're trying to put us in one pocket or another. Listen, there's a time we've got to be just as sold out for the kingdom of God as everybody was, and we've got to be able to be able to be used for the glory of God. For the Spirit of the Lord comes down, and the powers of God begin to work in our life and manifest Himself wherever He is, mopping down the streets, in the street. You said, does it happen? I can tell you it does happen. It does happen. God's got an army, and he wants us to be in the middle of that army, right? He wants us to be in the middle of that army, and I want you to do what God wants you to do. I want to see what God can do in your life and my life. How many would let God do something real special if he wanted to do it this morning? If you would say, Lord, here I am. I'm ready. Let's do it. You can use me if you want to. I'm ready to turn it over. I'm ready. Anybody ready? Have got two more, three more. Oh, my goodness. we got, got to have a revival in a minute here. The Spirit of God is going to take over if we let him. That's what he said. That's what God does. That's how God moves. That's what God manifests himself to do. He wants to do something. Now, you said, well, I, you don't know my situation. You don't know my condition. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what's going on in my home. You don't know what's happening on my job. I don't, but God does. God does. And this morning I was praying. At, I woke up real early. I don't normally wake up that early, but I got up at 3.30 this morning. I went in there and I said, God, I've got to find out for sure because I said this is important stuff. 
I said, I'm going up there. I'm going to pour my heart into that. I'm going to give them everything I've got, illustrations, everything. I want you, God, to speak to our hearts. And I said, what do you want me to do? He said, give them an opportunity to say, Jesus. Let me tell you something. I learned this too a long time ago. If you don't know what God's will is, push the plate back. Start fasting. You said, do we have to do that? I'm not telling you to do it. I'm going to tell you what God had to do in my life. I found out I had to do it. It didn't happen the first week or the third week. But I saw God begin to manifest himself in a mighty way. I saw his hand being extended. And I began to witness things that I did not understand. I saw things happening that didn't make any sense. We had a couple come, and I think I told this one day, but I'll just tell it again because somebody missed it. A couple of men come to church. They just came to visit there. We went to another church. And they want me to pray that they could have some children. They wanted children. Young couple like my wife and I. They were, we were, they were young. They were young. I understood what that felt like. I said, okay, I'll pray. I laid hands on them, prayed with them that they could have children. And they went back to their own church, I guess. I never saw them anymore. About three months later, I got a call from him one day. He said, my wife went to the doctor today, and we're going to have a baby. I said, well, hallelujah, you know. Your congratulations. He said, no, you didn't understand. My wife is going to have a baby. Well, I can see he's excited about it. So I had to get a little excited myself. Well, hallelujah, I'm glad your wife's going to have a baby. He said, you don't understand, do you? I said, yeah, I do. Your wife's going to have a baby. He said, yeah, but I forgot to tell you, she had a full hysterectomy. And she came from the doctor today, and he said all the organs are back in her body. And she's fixing to have a baby. They've had three now, so it must have helped. Do you know what I'm trying to tell you? God specializes in things that are impossible. Huh? I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've got. I don't know where you stand. But I am going to ask if you've got a special hunger in your heart, either to be used of God or to become an intercessor. And that's going, to, that's going to require something. Don't, 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 don't take it lightly now. Don't just do it because I'm telling you. I want to know, do you really want to see God do something? If you do, I want you to come and stand here. I, maybe one or two. I don't know who it might be. Maybe more. Yes, that's fine. Just whatever you want to do, come. I want you to come. You need, you need something to happen in your life, in your home. I want you to come. I want you to come and stand here. Not, not what I can do. I can't do it. If I could, I'd do it all, but I can't. But God can. God can. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're fixing a call upon the most supernatural power this world has ever seen or heard of. We're going to ask God to do something that we can't do. We're going to ask God to move right now by His Spirit and Word and grace and glory. Join with me together. Heavenly Father, I come here. 
I'm praying for everyone that's standing in this line here this morning. I'm praying, God, that you would touch bodies, touch minds, touch jobs, touch homes, touch kids, touch companions. I'm asking you, God, to do something I can't do, but you can. Speak the word today and let it flow into the hearts of these folks. Let them go home with a promise burning in their soul. For God, you're a master of every situation. We don't understand, but God, we give ourselves. We give it all to you. I pray for this church. I pray, God, for the guidance. I pray for the leading of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I pray, only oh, God, you can do it. And I believe you'll do it right now. I give myself, Lord, if you just want me to pray, I'll stand in prayer. If you want me to fast, I'll fast. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, oh God. <laughs> oh God, you know who we are. You know where we're at. You know the needs here. At the Long Grove Assembly of God this morning, you know what we need, oh God, you know what we need. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for the grace of God, for the grace of God, for the grace of God. Oh, God, lay your hand upon us today. <laughs> We're here, Lord. We mean business. We want to see something happen for your glory. It's not by might nor by power, but it is by thy spirit, saith the Lord. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> things we need to lay on the altar. Let us lay it on the altar for you. Give it to you right now, Jesus. I lay it all before you. It's here. We're giving it to you. It's all yours, Lord. We're giving you everything. Take us just as we are. Take us, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. He can this morning. He can lay hands on that Lord, Jesus, right today. Encourage your heart, Lord, and lift it up in the spirit. Lay your hand, Lord Jesus, upon I believe that, don't you? Anything, yes, anything, my God, can do anything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He made this world and all its and all that time shall bring. My God, yes. Can do My God. Anything. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God can do. Yes, He can. Oh, I believe it. Anything, I believe it. Yes. Anything, hallelujah, hallelujah, My hallelujah. God My God, yes. Can do yes. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Bless that song. That is wonderful. That's a wonderful word. That's a wonderful word. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I want you to start thanking God right now for something that you want Him to do. Start thanking Him for it right now while she continues to sing. That's a beautiful song. I love that song. Jesus, thank you this morning, Lord. Thank you for laying your hand, Lord, upon this church. Thank you for the anointing God of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrecting powers. Thank you, Lord, for saving people that are untouchable for us, but not for you. God, lay your hand today. Lay your hand upon them today, Lord. Move by your spirit, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Sing it again. <laughs> My God can do How many believe that? You really believe that? Yes. Anything, yes, anything. Well, anything. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. this world and all its fullness. Oh